Welcome to Get Found, Get Funded, a podcast all about creating visibility, paths for growth, and opportunity for entrepreneurs. We focus on those entrepreneurs who are statistically underrepresented in the startup ecosystem. Your hosts are Zena Island, president of X Plus PR, a media relations agency, angel investor Aurelia Flores, managing member of Athena Digital Media Group, a digital marketing agency, and angel investor Christina Francis, president of Esteem Logic, an information technology consulting and training firm. In each episode, you will meet a new startup founder, hear about their company and where they are now. We then focus on one key challenge facing that entrepreneur, a challenge that is common among startups. Each episode also features a guest expert to weigh in on the challenge. Welcome to Get Found, Get Funded. Hello and welcome to another episode of Get Found, Get Funded. And this is your co-host, Zena Island, and I'm excited to have on the show Sinclair Skinner to talk about blockchain, something I still don't get. I still don't understand, and so that's why I brought in Christina, (laughs) my co-host, to break this down, and I'm sure Sinclair has a lot to offer um, once we get into the show. Sinclair Skinner is co-founder of Bitmari, the largest pan-African Bitcoin wallet provider that is using blockchain technology to open doors of financial inclusion and economic empowerment. Bitmari has been among the most successful Bitcoin companies in Africa and is the first to partner with the Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe to lower remittance fees across the diaspora. Under his leadership, the company launched the first ever blockchain-based accelerator for women farmers in Africa. The accelerator targets Zimbabwean women farmers to use Bitcoin as digital coupons and connects farmers to direct investments with smart contracts. Mr. Skinner is not only dedicated to disrupting traditional methods of banking that leave communities powerless, but is laser focused on disrupting traditional education systems that fail to expose youth to cutting edge technology and cryptocurrency. In 2017, Bitmari kicked off the first ever transatlantic Bitcoin and blockchain tour to over 20 colleges and universities. Each stop included focus groups discussions, fintech hackathons, and tech job recruitment. Prior to Bitmari, for over two decades, Mr. Skinner strategically organized and led movements for those disenfranchised politically. As an early adopter of Bitcoin, he formed the African American Super PAC, 1911 United Political Action Committee, and became the first to accept Bitcoins for contributions. Welcome to the show, Sinclair. I would like to start uh, before Christina and Aurelia jump in to ask about your wife's t shirt that says Satasha is black. What does that stand for? Satoshi Nakamura is the uh, pseudonym of the folks that actually created Bitcoin. So the originator of Bitcoin never revealed themselves. So when we discuss this technology, the software, the code that was written that is Bitcoin, 
the actual authors of this technology, no one knows the true identity. So the communications of what uh, was to be done was done uh, anonymously through a pseudonym, and Satoshi was that pseudonym. So in the context of that, we said, well, Satoshi is black. Uh, one of the things that's funny is that, you know, Dr. Seuss is a pseudonym. That's not the actual author who wrote the books uh, under Dr. Seuss, Cat in Hat. But just like with uh, uh, Satoshi, probably is not a Japanese person. You wouldn't use a pseudonym of your actual, you would try to, you know, change. So we said probably Satoshi is really a black woman. Christina and Aurelia, do you have anything you'd like to add? No, I just, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. You know, um, I think women in general, black women, really like to bring community community together. We like to make sure that everyone is, uh, you know, uh, successful and gets part of the pie. So I would wholeheartedly agree with that. But Sinclair, why don't you tell us kind of what you've been doing in the blockchain space and specifically around Bill Mari? and the various projects you have going on. Zena mentioned the Blockchain Summit. Why don't you walk us through Bill Mari and then why it was important for you to establish this Blockchain Summit? Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, um, I've been in this space since uh, 2012 was when I first heard about uh, Bitcoin and was interested. And then from that time, I've been doing the research. My background is engineering. So I went to Tuskegee and Howard University as a mechanical engineer and always had an interest in trying to build solutions that actually would serve a purpose of helping our community out. And when I you know, got exposed to this technology, it made me realize something fundamental in our, our lives of, of exchanging value. Now we could do it without having a third party or having outside people controlling that. So that whole sense of being liberated. So uh, I had already been doing business in Zimbabwe. I had a good friend of mine who we were working on projects trying to help uh, use technology. We're working on an ethanol project. How could we use technology to, to deal with the, issue, the energy crisis they were having there? When this technology came out, we realized one of the other problems we were having was being able to send money anywhere in the world. That still had not been resolved. You can now send messages through email anywhere in the world, but you couldn't really send value or receive value anywhere in the world. So we saw this technology as a way that we could replace the predatorial capitalist uh, Western unions, uh, the banking system that that's again very opaque. You don't know. You send a wire, you don't know where it is and how long it's going to take. The now we had technology that we can use. So in a real way, our purpose was to try to solve problems in our community. And was there a specific instance or uh, something that happened that made you realize this, this is it, I've got to get in into this? Like, you know, I think before when we were talking, I asked you, when, when did you first fall in love with hip hop? But when did you first fall in love with the idea that this is truly going to transform the lives of people? Yes, I think it was definitely when, when I, I realized that this was a way for us to send, like I, I was already doing business outside of the country. So when I saw there was a way that we literally could send peer-to-peer -peer money uh, electronically without going through a third party, it was just like 
that this is it. This the stuff we were working with ethanol, the things that we were trying to do with agriculture. I said, look, fundamental to this, we have to be able to exchange value. We we can exchange messages, but we got to be able to give value to other folks. So once I realized that was the key, then we realized what we needed to do was to try to figure out how do we uh, take the technology and make it accessible to the, the regular people in the street. So that's when we came up in uh, 2015 uh, with our, our company that was a money uh, exchange uh, transfer business called BitMari, where we were able to use the technology to send money and receive money. And we did our minimum viable product. And we were able to uh, partner uh, with our first client, a the second largest bank in Zimbabwe called Agribank. Uh, we were able to use the technology to actually uh, even help women farmers uh, finance their, their crops by allowing people to use the uh, what we call the digital token as a, a coupon, a digital coupon. So there's a lot of uh, uh, opportunities to control our own resources without having to have third uh, parties that really don't really add a lot of value, but they're very predatorial, especially in our communities. You know, where ATM costs in our community are higher than other places. The cost to send money to Africa is higher than any other continent. And none of this is based on uh, technology. It's based on a business model that's very predatorial. Poor people oftentimes pay more for products than those who can buy in bulk and buy, have the resources to, to be able to compete and negotiate prices. Oftentimes in our community, we don't have those powers to negotiate. This gave us an opportunity to take control of that with a technology that was peer-to-peer -peer and we didn't have to go or ask permission. So that, that's awesome. So you created a peer-to-peer -peer money platform. You partnered with a bank, and then you also use the technology to help farmers finance their crops life-changing for so many people. Outside of that, you also created a female accelerator program in Zimbabwe. You created a Green Book business project. You're doing an HBCU tour from the U.S. to Africa. Talk, talk a little bit more about the other things that you're doing in this space. Yes, yeah, so these are all steps going into the same direction. So we, the, the Women Farmers Accelerator is, is all part of the same uh, program because not only did we help them finance their, their crops, we wanted to make sure they had the other support groups around them to help them uh, with the, the growing of the crops that they did. So while we were going through the regulatory process, and that's something that's not often talked about, there's a lot. What we did is we didn't come up with a way to solve this problem outside of a of the regulatory framework. We actually identified a bank partner and went. We were the first blockchain company in the history of blockchain to actually get a license from a reserve bank to explicitly use Bitcoin to send money. Uh, anywhere in the world. So this was a real, you know, landmark. And again, my co-founder, I, he's, my co-founder went to Howard University. He's uh, originally from Zimbabwe. Uh, I'm African-American, uh, a military brat, originally from St. Louis. Uh, and, you know, this is, was something that was very unique to have a black-owned uh, business that was, you know, a, a thought, you know, on the, on the uh, cutting edge of a technology, being able to uh, create this, uh, you know, unique opportunity to give us a solution like this. And by doing that with that regulatory support, we were able to then use those bank branches as places where people actually could pick up money. So they were able to send money to Zimbabwe using Bitcoin, and then they would go to the bank branches and actually pick up the funds. And we were able to do it at 4%, which is 
the average uh, price to send money anywhere in the world is around 6 7%. And in Africa, it can be as high as 18%. So we were able to lower the prices, actually give people more value for their money, as well as help that local bank give them access to revenues they wouldn't have been able to have but for our technology. And then we were able to build off that a, a tour where we went to HBCUs in the United States, as well as we went to uh, black universities and, and churches in, in Zimbabwe and connected all these folks that were in the greater diaspora to the, the work we were doing. Now that we're moving forward is that we're going beyond Zimbabwe and actually creating something similar to the Green Book that was done by Victor Green to help black people uh, protect themselves from racism and xenophobia. The technology that we're allowed people to use with this blockchain now allows them to do transactions as well as communicate. Well, when you're doing business with people, you don't want to be preyed upon. You don't want people to discriminate against you. Now we have a way to connect you to businesses that are black friendly and black owned. Use use our technology to do the, the actual uh, transactions and bill payments, as well as give you safe places to, to support the businesses that you care about globally. So this is not just in the United States. You could be in Copenhagen. You can get sick. You need a doctor. It's going to be hard to Google uh, non-racist doctor in Copenhagen. But if you go to, uh, we have a new site called I Love Black People. I love blackpeople.com. You go there and we'll list out all the um, black friendly and black doctors in Copenhagen so you can get the, the support that you need. You saw ASAP Rocky get in trouble in Sweden. It'd been great if he could find a, uh, a lawyer that could help him out and, and make sure he was in a better situation or find another place beside the place he found himself being victimized. He could actually use I love black people and use this technology to help him in order to um, protect himself while he's out in a very strange and new environment. So again, so with the Greenbrook project, so everybody can understand what he's referencing to, you're talking about the movie um, that was recently that recently won an Academy Award, and it was based on the Green Book that a uh, African American created that you just mentioned, so that people can understand the context. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. So the Green Book uh, was uh, created by Victor Green, uh, who's a was an amazing entrepreneur. This was from like the late 30s all the way up into the late 60s, and it uh, helped Black people when they were going throughout uh, traveling the, the United States to go places where they could protect themselves, if the place to stay, uh, place to eat, as well as transportation. We've expanded that into transportation, place to stay, uh, place to eat, health, uh, finance, legal, uh, child care, and uh, also beauty. So, you know, if you, you go someplace new, you don't know where to get your hair or uh, clothing, we have all those things on this directory of uh, black-owned and black-friendly business. And we say black-friendly because now all the places that you go to, they're going to be black-owned businesses. Our focus is the customer. There's over 1.5 billion black people in the world, 1.5 people of uh, African descent. And we have been preyed upon too long, and there's no com companies out there. Just imagine that. There's almost no companies out there that target that problem as a key motivation for their existence. Well, now you have a company like that, and now we have a project that we're able to allow us to use technology, not celebrities, not 2020 elections, but you'll be able to use a technology to help protect you from the harms and humiliations of racism and xenophobia by going to iloveblackpeople.com and utilizing the technology that we have to allow you to do the transactions in a safe way and protect yourself. And one of the best ways that we've been able to identify to spread this 
this love, to spread this good news is identifying ambassadors. If anyone's out there interested in identifying and helping us uh, by sharing and recommending their favorite black business, by sharing their favorite black friendly business, we, we're crowdsourcing that information right now. So we're leveraging our people. We're not leveraging, like I said, famous folks. We're leveraging real people who have an awesome restaurant where they treat you awesome all the time. Make sure we share that. You come to D.C., I know all the awesome spots that you can go. I'm going to share you my network. And if I'm in some place like Kampala, Uganda, if I'm in Chicago, if we share our, our networks with each other, we can create a safety net no matter where we travel that will be protected. And that's important, especially in 2019 and beyond. So Sinclair, just to be clear on what uh, opportunity there is for individuals to be ambassadors and to recommend their favorite black business, is that at iloveblackpeople.com or how would they uh, provide that information? Yes, I'm sorry. So definitely they go to iloveblackpeople.com and they can recommend their favorite black business or black uh, friendly business anywhere in the world in those eight categories that I mentioned. Awesome. I just want to actually take a minute because I always shout out my alma mater on the show. <laughs> so let me give HU some love. Um, you know. My brothers graduated from Howard just like you did, and I absolutely love seeing Howard alum, men and women, bison men and women, making huge impacts on our community and business as a whole. So let me just make sure I give that shout out. Um, so I want to kind of go back to – the the core of your business right now is really focused on uh, the continent and the African diaspora, and that's such a pivotal component to your vision. Um, talk a little bit more about why that's so important to you, and then also talk about how you think blockchain can really transform the black community, not just abroad, but at home as well. Yes, I, I think uh, we are part of a common experience where we realize that, unfortunately, no matter where we, you know, I've traveled to almost 60 countries, uh, and our people are experiencing oppression in many places, almost like a black tax, where our activities are unfortunately. You know, we feel the, the weight of racism and xenophobia. Even when we become super successful, we see how our, our you know, successful people as professionals, how we're treated differently. And what we said is that we're, we're not going to be victims. Look, we're going to solve these issues. And one of the best ways to do it is for us to connect. So even on the continent of Africa, even in the Caribbean, no matter where we are, we can come together now using technology. Now you have WhatsApp. You have you have tools that we didn't have before. I mean, we we, we probably do remember when long distance phone calls actually took place within the, the country. You couldn't even reach out to folks until after a certain time. Like it, those things hindered our our ability to move about. And colonialism or the colonial masters, slavery with our slave masters. One of the things they did was restrict our movement, our motion. Now we have technology that allows us to move and be anywhere, anytime, very frictionlessly, very almost inexpensively, if not free in some ways. So how do we leverage that mobility to now change our environment? We got brilliant brothers and sisters all over the world that we haven't even met, haven't even talked to. We haven't been able to engage. Now with the advent of, of course, mobile and internet, we can exchange and communicate. Now with blockchain, we can actually exchange value. 
So now we have all the unique tools that we never have had in the past to bring us together and create community beyond these fictitious borders. When we say Africa is not a, con a not a country, that's true. But the countries that they are is also they're also lies because in reality we we that the country the, the, the continent of Africa was carved up by our colonial masters. So we have to realize that these are fictional borders. The only thing that should be able to separate us now is our our choosing to be together or not together based on your own interests, not because of someone else. We now have technology that can literally bring us together and we can leverage our minds. So just as much as people focus on the value of Bitcoin, the true value is the community. We as people are really the value. Like we're amazing. And when I, you know, I just had a recent, you know, I just got back from Zimbabwe with my team on the ground. And what I realized was that it's still just not enough to be brilliant. One of the things our colonial masters did was they, they made us doubt ourselves. You know, that's why this racism and sexism is so wicked, because it limits. You can be super brilliant, but if you don't have high self-esteem, you're not going to be a superstar. I'm sorry. It's, it's problematic. I've seen people, Europeans in Africa, dumb as bags of rocks, but they're high self-esteem. They, they're bosses. So you can actually be average to below average with high self-esteem and go super far and be brilliant, but, but be brilliant and have low self-esteem and still be trying to figure out life. So in a real way, now we have ways to connect to each other where we can definitely validate each other, where we can now utilize our, our unique uh, uh, backgrounds and, and skills and build and create a, a world that's definitely much better than this world, which is full of, of racism and, and pollution and, and genocide. We, that's not the world we have to live in. And we now have a means to actually change that. And blockchain has been key in making sure we have a peer-to-peer -peer way to transact value without going to the banks that literally were, were built off colonialism. They weren't built off being brilliant. I mean, you can go to their Wikipedias. They'll tell you about some great imagine, you know, imaginative uh, origin. But they made their money off raping, killing, and stealing and taking value from our people. You know, one of the biggest issues, and we have a, a conference coming up, is they always talk about the fourth industrial revolution. And it's really a misnomer. The capitalism that we're experiencing today wasn't built off the steam engine. It was built off the backs of our people through slavery and colonialism. That's how capital was, was created and developed in this world. Europe was, was dying. And at the end of the day, the, a lot of the value that we had in Africa, in, in a world where we were, I'm not going to say it was kumbaya, but we didn't use the same methodologies of colonialism. But that world that we live in now has used that, you know, unfortunate and, and tragic and, and, and barbaric means of extracting value from folks uh, through oppression, and we can undo it now. We don't have to go to those banks and, and depend on them to hold value. We actually can contain that value in ourselves, have our own sovereignty in exchange, and, and come up with creative ways to use that value. Since this show is going to probably run during the week of the commemorative events that are happening around 1619, um, and I, I would like to acknowledge that, uh, that the first enslaved um, Africans were brought to America. Uh, so a lot of this is what you're saying is true. Um, John, Congressman John Lewis, and this is about five years ago when he said this to me. Uh, not just to me, actually, I was in the audience. Um, we were working with um, Ford Motor Company, and John Lewis said it to a group of young um, black students and said, you know, you have opportunities that I didn't have during the civil rights movement. 
where all you have all this technology that you can use to bring together a community and you need to start using it and using it appropriately to to start voicing your opinions or voicing what you want or just create your own community outside of the one that's here uh, that you are probably are not for. So I have to agree with some of the things that you're saying. And um, because I just remember Congressman John Lewis making that point, who is a civil rights activist and leader. Yeah, I think what he's saying is absolutely true. Uh, We have it's probably three things. But the two things is, first of all, every generation has the obligation, just like John Lewis. I I, I always tell people I don't believe in uh, generational chauvinism, meaning there's no generation that has ever done more than the next. We all are on the shoulders of incredible people like Rosa Parks, Fannie Lou Hamer, and they were on the shoulders of folks like, you know, Harriet Tubman. And we, we all are part of a continuation. And with some of the, you know, uh, spiritual and indigenous uh, spirituality, we, we're here because our ancestors brought us here and we have a mission to fulfill or betray. And so we have to fulfill it with, with the tools that we have available. And just as much as our ancestors used the tools they had, we have tools now that we need to continue that struggle to increase and, and improve the quality of life of this world. We want to leave this world better than we found it. So just as much as John Lewis benefited from the work that was done by the Harriet Tubmans and the Booker T. Washingtons and the folks that came before him, we're benefiting from the, the, the struggle of the work that John Lewis is going to do, and we're going to make this world better for our children's children. Use it, and we think not wait. We shouldn't wait for 2020. We can use technology to help ourselves. We don't need celebrities, and we get into these debates about what celebrity we have the power right now we have the actual ability to affect change as individuals we need to use that power and god bless the celebrities the politicians but we need to have our own agenda we talk about politics and people having to have an agenda whatever that agenda is you need to apply it to your everyday life and we can use technology to magnify it to connect with folks and we don't have to all agree out of that agenda of 10 things, there might be three that we super agree on. But just rock out on those three. And the other ones, you know, I'm going to do on my time and you do on your time. So in a real way, these technology give us choices and they give us the access that we never had. And we can actually build a world that many people haven't even imagined. So even looking at the smartphone, just 15 years ago, there was no smartphone. People couldn't even imagine what you could do. So when we think about where we are, I'm encouraged because I know that the world that we look at now, 15 years ago, is going to be radically different. And the question is, where are we going to be on that? And so much of what we're doing in blockchain space is to make sure that the black community is on the ground floor and access and understanding that 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 technology. We're not going to get missed like the, the Internet might have missed some of our communities. We're going to make sure. And that's what we've done with the HBCU uh, 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 tours. We've made sure that in over 30 cities that our community actually got the chance to actually see and understand the technology. And you don't have to use it. There's 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 people who may not want to use electricity either but at the end of the day you need to know about it 
and you know and be and I think there's people who are skeptical and I think skepticism is good. I think we should always be critical, but we shouldn't be more critical of this technology than than we are of the banks. Be critical of the banks too. So the things that you like and the things you don't like, you should be critical of both. I, we talk to people who say, look, loving or hating someone is not a political strategy. So a life strategy ain't loving or hating something. It's actually understanding it and taking that understanding and making great decisions off it. And what we think now with this technology, we can actually use that to leverage these these thoughts and ideas and magnify it and connect with people in ways we could never have done before. So again, with the blockchain technology, making sure our people understand how to use it and actually coming up with solutions that solve our problems. So again, literally, we wake up every day with Bill Maher trying to figure out how we can best protect black people from racism and xenophobia, full stop. I didn't say people of color. I didn't say everybody. We're narrowly focused on how do we protect black people of African descent from the harms and humiliations of racism and xenophobia. And we think that's a big enough problem. And there's plenty enough black folks out there who've experienced it in some way or not that at least one startup in the blockchain space should be doing as much as they humanly can to, to address that the issue. Christina Aureli, would you like to add anything? Yeah, no, I, I want to ask more questions. This is great. So part of what you said with the HBCU tour is that you're going around and telling people what blockchain is, how it works, and giving them kind of an upfront and personal tour, if you will, of the tool that, that we have at our command, right? Yes, so we did the uh, first... Uh, bus tour, the I Love Black People Bitcoin tour in 2017. And we went through, again, over 30 uh, different cities and uh, universities from Texas Southern to Prairie View to FAMU to Howard, uh, as well as the AUC, Tennessee State, uh, North Carolina A&T, throughout the country and, sh you know, shared the, the information of how to use this technology, had them downloaded, actually gave away some Bitcoin so people could actually understand how to use it. And from that, we realized we need to make sure in a very you know, productive way, we continue that connecting with our people. So what we created from the tour was a summit. And last year, so 2017, we did the bus tour. 2018, we did our first Black Blockchain Summit. And what we did was we convened thought leaders throughout the blockchain space, as well as thought leaders throughout uh, the black community who are dealing with real issues that face our community. And we put them together to take a look at how we can use this technology to solve real problems in the community. You know, issues of land. We're This year, we're, we're having a conference uh, September 9th and 10th where we're talking about reparations and revolutions. And oftentimes when we think about reparations, people talk about politicians and how politics could solve it. And what we realized, and, and this is a, an analogy that we use often, uh, we used to think the racism that we were experiencing with, with trying to catch a taxi was a political issue. But with the advent of rideshare applications, we were able to make that type of racism obsolete by just being able to use the Uber. My wife and I took an Uber over here today with a brother who was really awesome, and he was able to you know, make some money as well as we were able to get a ride and know who when he was gonna come and, and, and what he looked like and made sure we had the right car. 
this technology made a lot of the racism that we experienced with trying to catch a cab obsolete. It, it didn't make it perfect. And the people who actually came up with this technology weren't even concerned about our quality of life. They were just trying to make money. Now, just imagine, and when, when I was at Howard University and we were in the School of Engineering, it was hard to get a taxi. We thought that was the political science department's problem. We didn't know that we had the ability to actually change that in the engineering and computer science. What we're saying now is we have those tools that we can solve problems in our community. And when we talk about reparations, when we talk about repairing something, when our ancestors' uh, uh, ability to, to give us their you know, uh, inheritance that we were supposed to have was denied by a federal government, we're saying, how do we repair that? We often talk about legally what does that look like, which is fair. But what what can technology do to help us do that? How can we use the blockchain to track and maintain this information so we know what land and what land was denied and some of the injustices that were done? How can we use blockchain to change and give us a tool to protect ourselves from that? And once we get that that those that money back from from the inheritance that was stolen, how do we maintain it? How do we make sure that once we get the money that was stolen from us, we get it back? You know, first thing I hear people say, well, we're going to probably just give it right back. Well, why is that? Is that because we're just dumb or do we live in a place where it's very predatorial and people prey on folks? Well, if that's the case, it's not don't give them the money. The, 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 the real answer is, is do something about these dang predators. Well, we can use technology again to help give our people the tools once they get the money that they deserve from their the, the work and blood and sweat and tears of our ancestors back. We could we need a revolution in how the world is engaged currently using technology so we can protect our gains. So no matter what, if we get reparations or not, we, we should have them. We need to change how our people are being treated today. So there's some structural things that we can disrupt using technology, as well as legal, as well as political, but our focus is the way technology works. So 9th and 10th of September, we're gonna be having real conversations on how do we use this technology to change and empower ourselves so that we can take those, those the, the, the repairing of the injustices that were done and actually maintain and if not expand upon that in a world that won't prey on us and take any more. So I've got some questions. So give our listeners some um, preview or a taste of what some of those conversations are going to be. I mean, I think you've already talked a little bit about the real practical um, applications of what you're already doing. And and for people who don't know, remittances worldwide are over 500 billion, uh, uh, you know, an industry that makes over $500 billion per year and upwards probably of over 600 or maybe even more billion dollars per year on the money that is being transferred, right? So you're talking about taking some of that money back, which I think is really powerful. And I remember when I read Our Black Year several years ago, there was a very specific call to action, right? Buy from black businesses. So tell our listeners a little bit about some more of the kind of practical um, applications that you see some of this technology being used in? Because I'm really curious. I'm sure our listeners are really curious and they might be like, okay, well, what are we going to talk about if we come to the summit on the 9th and 10th? And maybe you t- talked about these things already in the tour, but um, give our folks a little bit of a preview. 
Well, there's, a, there's quite a few things. Uh, let's, you know, one of the um, sure. topics is uh, 40 acres and a mule. And we talk about the use of blockchain and land rights and how we can take back control of land and how we can register that control where people can't nefariously undermine it. So you put that information in a public blockchain where people can actually see the information and no one can just try to sneakily uh, undermine that information. So there's already uh, ways that people are using uh, and are, are developing technologies around the blockchain space to uh, allow people to control the land. And that's one of the things fundamentally that, that's been stolen, not just uh, when we were brought here. You know, a lot of people, they try to start our origin story with slavery, but just remember when we were taken from Africa, we had actually lived for thousands of years and had land then. Like we actually had communities and society. So when this thing was disrupted with this horrible, wicked uh, colonial context of human bondage and trafficking, it actually just, just took away a lot of things that we had already acquired. And then two, even looking at the education system, you know, a lot of people have complained about how the education system works. And we, we have some people who've done some real uh, uh, informative and powerful work in homeschooling where we can now create, uh, a, using the, uh, the blockchain, ways to store curriculums, store your grades, store your if you have a degree or not, track people uh, who are teachers, and actually leverage this technology to create our, create our own global school system and teach our children the way they need to be t taught and given the, the proper uh, tools to actually be successful in the world. So these are things that we can use the blockchain to do. And, and, and I say this in context is that Oftentimes, we we're using tech tools, and we are doing it to help someone else's community. When well, we got plenty of problems mm -hmm. in the black community to come up with solutions for. So those are just two Let examples. Let me just kind of recap. Yeah. Oh, um, sorry, I keep going. If you got others, well, so yeah, so so, what you said. and going back to your point you made about transactions. Again, you know, Africa as a whole has the highest fees to do transactions and, and money transfers. There's actually more money that's brought into Africa from remittances and money transfers than it is from aid. But in reality, we don't need the Red Cross anymore. We don't. These, these just like what we saw in Haiti, where much of that money went to, you know, to the administration and these people making money off of it. We can now connect you directly to the people on the ground in Haiti who are super amazing and, and, and professional people. They just don't have access because everything's been ravaged. With the systems that we're putting together, we'll be able to use this technology not only to identify you know, business owners and people in those areas. We'll be able to send the money to help the water, to help get things cleaned up directly. We're not going to have to have part of that money you know, taken by these parasitic uh, NGOs. We don't need Big Brother anymore. We have the real tools and understanding of the world now that we don't need these outside folks to, you know, like we're children to try to help us help ourselves. We we're the professionals. When they when these NGOs go, they they use the people on the ground to do these these activities. So we don't need a middle person to act as an intermediary to, to to our money. We can take the funds directly using the blockchain to the people on the ground to solve those problems when we have crisis, and as well as any of the transactions we're doing with each other, with the the work that we're doing, you could be doing business with someone in Kampala, Uganda. We don't need to go through a bank to do that. 
And so, again, um, this thing about reparations and revolution, we're going to make sure that we secure the world that we want to live in. And, and even when I talk to people about, you know, stepping out and being an entrepreneur, I say, create the world you want to live in. Don't create another plantation. If you have children, create a new world where your children can be a part of your work life. Don't create a world that's built on a, a, a European uh, male perspective, which is, is dead. Make a very vibrant, amazing, as, even if you're a man, make it as, as, as womanly and, as, and as, as beautiful as possible. I, I say that because men have destroyed more and women have built more. At the end of the day, we all come from a woman. At the, I'm a man. I came from a woman. I didn't come from a man. Woman. I mean, didn't come from a man. We need to leverage the best of who we are. And I say that, you know, the black woman is probably the best that God ever made. And praise God for my wife, my mother, and all the sisters I don't know. Please, you know, keep doing your thing because it doesn't just help other women. It helps the world. And I think we got to just... We got to deconstruct a society that was created by people who really didn't want to create that better world. And so you know, I think this technology gives us the access, and now we just need the confidence. I think the thing that we really are lacking is not the, the access and ability. We need to have the confidence in ourselves. Right. So you've yeah. talked about a lot of different things, um, you know, kind of tracking property, taking control of land, looking at kind of ATMs and transfer of money, both domestically and then internationally with remittances, education, and then, of course, finding Black-owned and Black-friendly businesses. So you've got a, your fingers in a lot of pots. Um, we've got a couple more questions for you. One is, how have you found people respond to you? So what, what was the response like in the um, HBCU tour and also just kind of what has happened with the response to um, the Black Blockchain Summit. So for the, and again, we'll just remind people if people want to come, it's September 9th and 10th in the DC area. Um, tell us about how people have responded and then we'll ask you about some other Bitcoin products that are out there. <laughs> no, I think that's awesome. I think that's an awesome question because again, uh, I started my journey uh, back in 2012 and went to my first conference in 2013. I think the biggest probably, and I you know, I shouldn't, I should start with the positive. I'm gonna start with the, the biggest thing that kind of like hurt my feelings a little bit. When, when I saw finally more of our people getting into it, they got into it with these scams. Look, look, y'all. We don't. You don't have to do a multi-level marketing scam. Look, if if somebody couldn't say that to you on the street, don't listen to them on the internet. You know, this stuff is like larceny. When you want something for nothing, you're gonna get beat. So I think the biggest thing that happened, you know, that kind of, you know, just kind of took a little wind out of my sail in the sense that I would go places and there was no black folks. So I was like, can't wait, and we got to get the word out to as many black folks. The thing that we got attracted to first with these multi, they had this thing called 3M and OneCoin and BitShares. It was all these hustles, carrot, bar. We got caught up in all these get rich schemes instead of actually, you know, studying or at least trying to understand the technology. Like I said, you don't have to like electricity, but electricity is electricity. It's a technology. You can, yes, it can kill you. You would 
kill you real quick. Or you can use it for the light bulbs and, and for this trans transmission that we're having. So at the end of the day, this technology is not good or bad inherently. It's up to us. It's in our hands. And that being said, I saw a lot of our hands in, in the hands of scammers. And I think uh, with the conference that we're doing is to expose as many of our people to the legitimate, real ways that you can use this technology to help yourself. This, I'm not giving financial advice, but we're, we're going to make sure we have people there that are thought leaders in the space that will show you the difference between what is something super helpful as something that's fugazi that ain't going to really help anybody but uh, uh, you know somebody doing some crim criminal activities. So in a real way, um, what we're doing is trying to make sure that you know the years I've seen and wanted more of our people involved in the space, that they're able to get involved with electricity that ain't going to shock them, that they actually can learn how to manage this electricity, manage this blockchain. I'm trying to use an analogy. I don't know if it's working. It might be. Might not work. But you know, using blockchain in a way that's beneficial and minimize the, the, the risks of getting hurt by it. It is, uh, if you're into trading, it is volatile. So you, you again, you, you need to know what best practices are and who are reputable and how to discern who is reputable, who's not. So we really give people an opportunity and we, as a community, we have more to lose. You know, we're, we don't live in a society where we got our inheritance. So we might be first or second generation at this. So we wanna make sure our people uh, have the the information they need to make great decisions on what they do with this technology and what they do with their finances. So you see so, some people respond. Go ahead. Go ahead, Christina. No, no, Arel, you go ahead and then I'll make my point. No, I was just going to follow up. You had said that some people had, um, that you were saddened to see that a lot of people had kind of jumped on the bandwagon from the direction or following scammers. What about what about other responses? I mean, what were the responses when people, when you were at the HBCUs, for example, what led to the summit? I mean, I'm guessing part of what led to this is that people were really excited to talk more about the possibilities of the technology okay. that you've been expanding upon. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I was a little downer there, so that kind of threw me off my spirit. Let me get my spirit back right now. <laughs> so humbly, humbly. That, 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 that drained me. I was sucked out. What was inspirational was so so many of them. <laughs> what was so inspirational was so many black folks that I hadn't met that were already in the space. They got in there before me, folks who were like super hyped about it when they heard it. And there's so many uh, people that I saw that were super interested, but in our community that didn't even know each other. So what's been neat about this and being early in the space is that there's, you know, black people pioneering this technology that wouldn't be given a voice and opportunity to share the projects and the work they're doing. So with having a, a black blockchain summit and after our tour, you know, that was one of the impetuses to say, you know what? We're going to make sure that we give our flowers to our folks while we're alive and we make sure that we don't wait for somebody to give us our shine. We're going to shine ourselves. So one of the most amazing things about this is that there's something the the, the, the uh, Lamar Wilson's, the Le, Sister Livonia with a guap coin. There's so many folks doing interesting and amazing projects that 
you know, this conference and this work uh, that we're doing gets to highlight. So I think one of the big things about, you know, events like this, you know, we have a reception. We get to celebrate each other. We give awards to our folks who are doing real work in the space that, you know, normally don't get looked at. Reggie Milton. There's plenty of things that are going on in the space that black folks are authors and creatives and creating it in, in, in the technology. And that's been super um, inspirational because we're everywhere. Like there's not one, been one innovation that took place. And I keep talking about electricity. L- you know, Lewis Lattimore was the person that really helped Edison do what he did. And th- that was a brother. So, and it probably was a sister. They just didn't give her the credit she deserved. So in a real way, we need to make sure that we give the real, you know, the truth about who we are and what we're doing. This is not us trying to create some black exceptional uh, superiority. No, we're telling the truth. These are the people that are in the space. They're not in the typical conferences. They don't get invited. We're making sure we invite those, those folks. The work we're doing is super incredible and amazing. Full stop. No need to add it. So in a real way, the inspiration of, of doing this is is really the fact that our people are super amazing and not getting credit. And it's not as even more than credit. We want to be able to share that amazing work so other folks are inspired by it. Again, uh, there's a lot to do. This is still early. I hear people say, when's a, when was a good time to get into Bitcoin or blockchain? I always say now. Now is the time. This is super early. Get in now and figure out how you can leverage this to solve problems that you you currently are facing. Yeah, Sinclair, there's so much that you said that resonate with me, and I'm, I'm you know, I can hear the passion in your voice. Uh, well, you know, one of the things I just want to underscore is that we are in a true revolution right now. Systems are changing. You know, people have more access. It isn't business as usual, right? We can't just keep going the way that we've gone, um, timid and scared and waiting for someone to pull us in. Our community, in my opinion, must take advantage of the tools. So it's blockchain as a technology, right, to disrupt the current systems. It's also using blockchain or for uh, the structure as a way of democratizing fundraising. We did a show uh, a couple of months ago, or I guess last year, with Samson Williams, Maureen Murat, Amy Wan, Desiree Dickerson to really talk about ICOs. And I understand there have been a lot of scams in the past, but still we've had some, you know, folks like Brian Brackeen and Kristen McFarland using that structure to actually raise capital for some pretty, you know, transformative technologies that they're working on. So really using that as a way to build value and a true tool for economic development in one thing that you mentioned earlier, again, I want to just highlight is it's about community, right? And around you know, things that are happening right now, the people who are able to bring folks together, create community, actually have the best platform to build a blockchain platform and then monetize it. And so, you know, I don't want to, I want to make sure that people understand community is such a big part of that. It's about being fair and creating competitive value and just really bringing our power back. So the last part I want to say is just highlighting the importance of having more black people getting into blockchain as a technology. We want to you know, make sure that people are doing their research about cryptocurrency. You just mentioned when's the best time to get in. The best time is now. So making sure that people look at crypto as part of their portfolio, right? It's not a either or. It is how does this you know, support life now and as we move forward. The one question I do want to ask you 
is, in your opinion or experience, why have you seen many people afraid to get into the blockchain space as a technology and the crypto space as a currency? I, I think there's huge players that are preventing it. I think just as much as uh, uh, the co-host of our conference is uh, John Karanja. He's uh, one of the early folks in Bitcoin, but also very familiar with M-Pesa, where you're able to use your cell phone to do transactions. There's almost there's very little uh, use of paper money in Kenya. They use cell phones. Well, oftentimes people falsely say, well, in America, we got so many great tools. That's why we don't use that. No, it's really because our politicians are controlled by banksters that actually will say, look, we spent millions and billions of dollars on these legacy systems. We're not about to give these up to the telcos so AT&T and Verizon could be in charge of banks. Chase and J.P. Morgan are not going out quietly in the night. So a lot of the reasons why we are living in a circumstance where we don't have access, I mean, the fact you got to pull out of your pocket a, a metal coin or some paper money is just archaic. It's just ridiculous. So it's not because it's the best way for us to transact even now. It's because there's certain uh, very powerful people, and again, a legacy of these colonial masters, that want to see that their investment uh, continue to, to be cash cows. We as a people have to resist that, and this technology allows us to do that. And again, the fear that people have, you know, we don't realize that corporate media is, is just that. It's corporations. CNN, BBC, these aren't like some altruistic endeavors. Those folks are controlled by people who are investors and have money, and they, they might have investments in you know weapons manufacturers. So America's largest export is weapons. So it might be a reason why they always report on wars that America are involved in as we're the good guys because they want us as taxpayers to keep feeding this machine. So in, in a real way, many of the issues that we are facing is not because they're the best thing, but because there are people with lots of money that are spending lots of time on making us think that this is the best way and i think what what's what's fortunate enough though is you know once the camel gets his head under the tent it can come on in so the truth you know is is amazing like that and i think that it, it can't be stopped the genie is out of the bottle people have already started you know experimenting with this technology they're, they're, we're not going to go to a world where there's no more electricity well we're not going to go back to a world where there's no more blockchain uh, what actual uh, protocol wins out, I don't know. But at the end of the day, I think we all win out when there's an uh, option outside of the status quo that's been able to create a world full of po pollution, racism, sexism, and all these unfortunate, wicked things that we have ways and tools to use to change it. So again, I think it's been slow in the adoption because there are people who have an interest in keeping the status quo but um, just like how they try to, you know, take out black folks. I mean, the things they've done, chemical warfare, biological, we still here. They've done everything. And black folks still rocking it. We still, like, we're electing presidents. We, we, anything that we go in, we be putting in that work. So as a people, like, yes, they're coming. They're going to come and try to get us. But they, they can't take us out. They've done everything. There are people who are gone. Like, when we talk about indigenous Americans, they committed genocide. Them people didn't want to go. That so-called aborigines, them people didn't want to go. But guess what? Who's still here? Black folks. 
in spite of, not because of. So, again, when you take our indelible spirit that, you know, our ancestors have given us and our amazing creativity, they still can't build pyramids. And we were able to do technology transfer because they got pyramids in Mexico. We were able to do that without colonialism. So there actually was a world where, where people actually were able to engage each other without colonizing each other. We've been in this experience maybe 500 years. We've been human beings. We've been civilized people for over 10,000. And so that's why, you know, I don't, you know, in the context where I'm dealing with a lot of these uh, folks in technology, you know, one thing about racism, being a European male, you can be immature. You can be a third grader and be 60 years old and be successful. But try to be a black person eight years old and not be 15. You're going to have to actually be older than your age in order to be successful in a society that's very, you know, punitive in, in their treatment. It's, and again, it's even magnified as being a black woman. So when we say these things, we're saying that, look, we've coped and we've been able to adjust to this madness. We now have tools that can even give us better opportunities to change this. So I think the core to this is that we are the one like we are amazing and so how do you you know multiply and magnify that amazingness i think technology more than legal more than uh, politics is a great way to magnify who we are individually and collectively well that is a mouthful that's a lot to take in but I've enjoyed every single thing that you've said um, today. And, um, you know, you really have to sit back and chew on it. But a lot of things you're saying is truthful. And um, I, I'm sure everybody's going to be looking forward to attending this conference on the 9th and 10th and learn so much more about what you just said and highlight it. And um, some of the folks that we had on the show that Christina mentioned, um, they're going to be at your conference. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And which ones are going to be there who are going to be featured based on? Uh, um, uh, Brother Samson, Sister uh, uh, Maureen is going to be there. Uh, and, and we had them both on the show. Yeah, and, and they're super amazing. And they're doing so many things in different areas. And uh, their ability to communicate is, is super awesome. It is. We have That was one of our, one of our best shows with them on there. Um, I think we had like including Christina, Christina Aurelia and myself, there were like six people in the studio yeah. <laughs> talking about and trying to take apart the whole Bitcoin and being able to understand it and um, blockchain. So it, it was a really good show. So yeah. I recommend people to go back and listen to it. Yeah. And I think that's, we just want to be a conduit. Like again, you know, the, the win is the fact that folks like them showed up last year and they're coming back this year. You know, really what makes this amazing is us. And again, the technology is super important. And, and to find people like uh, Sister Maureen and Brother uh, Samson who can take very complex uh, ideas and, and, and technologies and explain them very uh, plainly. Don't, don't, you know, don't sleep on that. That takes real sophistication. And so we're super, in, 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 you know, uh, focused on making sure we take as many of those things as possible and making sure that people come out to the, the Black Black Blockchain Summit. It's at blackblockchainsummit.com. So you actually can go to blackblockchainsummit.com, find out about it. We're on Facebook. You can go to info at Black Blockchain Summit if you want to actually send a, a 
an email to us. Uh, we're on Twitter. But again, is it Howard University, the Black 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 Blockchain Summit dot com? See, I'm not the only one to get tongue tied. <laughs> the guy who created bang, 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 bang. it, <laughs> and you know, get there early. We also have a, a great reception well, with uh, some of the folks from the Congressional Black Staffers because we got a Congresswoman who's scheduled to come. So we're really trying to make sure that this is a, an event that everybody can benefit from, and the speakers, you know are like again super amazing and they come and they really you know they're donating their time they these folks are coming because they care and uh we're just so grateful for all the that that they, you know again samson marine and all the others that uh, are coming have contributed to make sure our community uh, is well informed and empowered as they should be and this is on the campus of Howard University. HU, you know, <laughs> yes, on the campus Howard University, the Interdisciplinary Science Buildings, a beautiful new building. Uh, it's a second year there. And uh, like I said, we're going to you know, have a little lunch for you. We're going to have like a nice little reception for you, coffee for you, and a bunch of and a whole bunch of food for thought. So we definitely want to make sure that, you know, people come out and support this event and, and learn something that you can use, uh, you know, really financially and technically for the rest of your life and for the rest of your community. Excellent. And I know you mentioned it several times on the show, um, but where can we find you? Oh, absolutely. They can find us at uh, Bill, B-I-L-L-M-A-R-I dot com. That's Bill Mari. You can find me there at info at Bill Mari dot com. Um, again, our your phone number 202-558-5143. Again, 202-558-5143. And uh, we're definitely here and uh, want to make sure that you have everything you need to, to, to make that big move. Excellent. Well, we're split apart today, Christina Aurelia and I. Or, um, I'm in studio. They're on the line and just want to check in to make sure you don't have any more questions for our brother, Sinclair. Uh, I don't. We probably have to. I want to have another show, though, and maybe bring you and Samson and Maureen on to talk about Facebook Libra <laughs> and the just the evolution of money that's coming. Um, but otherwise, Sinclair, thank you for just leading the charge, bringing community together, and really empowering and educating people on this, you know, these these topics that must be discussed, and just encouraging people to move forward towards prosperity. Here, here. Amen to that. Well, so, that. oh, go ahead, Christina. Oh no, this is Aurelia. No, oh. I just I, I will echo what Christina said, which is that was amazing and. Um, I think people are motivated and inspired, and I hope a lot of people make it to the summit, which sounds absolutely incredible. Thanks for your work you're doing. Cool. Sinclair, um, before you go, because we, like I said earlier, and I keep reiterating, we have learned a lot from you. But the one question we did not ask, how are you surviving? Meaning, who is funding you? I know you mentioned uh, to me off mic uh, about the 342 pre-seed, the crowdfunding, and you're now into another run around. So how are you funding this platform? Oh, thank you so much for that. So, yes, we've done our, our pre-seed uh, $342,000 uh, through crowdfunding to get our MVP. Now we're trying to expand it throughout the African diaspora, and we're right now doing a seed round 
uh, for a million dollars. And we've raised uh, 250000 in commitments, and we're trying to identify angel investors who are interested in, in the blockchain or in the diaspora space uh, that would be interested in keeping us going. So it's definitely been, you know, you know, difficult in the, in the startup space, but we definitely have seen a lot of good traction. So now we're in, in the process of expanding with our, our million dollar round uh, for our seed. Excellent. And you have two angel investors on the line right now, you, Christina O'Reilly, who are part of Pipeline Angels, and Citrine, for um, O'Reilly is now part of two um, angel uh, investing organizations. So this is great, and we'll help ha- spread the word that you're in another round uh, to raise a million dollars. And we're going to keep that in prayer for you. Cause, and, and if you all want to jump in, you know, even though the crowdfunding is over with, you can still donate. He's giving you all his information of where to find him. And um, um, we will look out and help to promote this next round for you. Well, thank you. And and anybody interested, please go to info at com. That's info at B-I-L-L-M-A-R-I.com. And you can get me directly. If you have any questions, we have a pitch deck. We have all the things that you need to make a great decision about an amazing startup and the, the work that we're doing. Thank you so much, sister. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're excited. So um, this has been another episode of Get Found, Get Funded. We had Sinclair Skinner in studio with us. We're excited to have him. And you've learned so much about Bitcoin and blockchain. And we have this wonderful conference. We're going to repeat the date one more time, September 9th and 10th at Howard University. And um, please come join. He has food. He said he has food for thought. I think we've learned a lot here just in studio from this brother. Um, And also, as I said earlier, um, we're commemorating 1619. Um, uh, A lot of activities are coming up, happening in Jamestown. And New York Times has done a great spread on it. Um, USA Today is coming out with a spread on 1619. And I think this show should be dedicated um, based on what um, Sinclair just said um, to the, you know, to commemorate 1619. I don't say anniversary to commemorate. And I say that for a reason. Uh, so thank you, everyone, for joining us. And if you want to find us, um, you can look for us at giftfoundgiftfunded.com or on Instagram at giftfound underscore giftfunded, Twitter at giftfound underscore funded and we're also on facebook thank you so much for joining us